and welcome back to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. It's the podcast that teaches you as much as you've been pretending to know about wine. I am Madeline Quigley. Sorry, I was taking a sip. I'm Matt Quigley. <laughs> already, already indulging in the wine. I'll take some more before we get started. Okay. I've had a long day. Respect, I know. All right, hey. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, if you're new around here, welcome to the show. Uh, I just want to explain how this show works. The name pretty much says it all. Dad teaches me about wine. We're a father daughter duo and my dad knows a lot about wine and I have learned more than I did when we started this. It was bleak uh, in the beginning. So every week we pick a topic and we break it down so that even wine novices, what novices is a plural? Novi? Novices. <laughs> novices can understand. Um, so yeah, here we are. Dad, I think we're on episode like 25. Crazy. This yeah, podcast is older than I am. <laughs> yeah, I looked at um, the Apple store and was astonished by how long the listing mm-hmm. was. It's hard to believe we've done that many. And if you haven't started the beginning and listened to all of them, then you definitely ought to. Yes, exactly. It makes a lot more sense. Uh, I think anyone who doesn't start a podcast at the beginning is kind of nuts. Like, I, don't, I can't imagine diving into some podcast. True. Anyway, you don't really listen to podcasts, do you? Correct. You don't even listen to this one. Correct. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I'm on another podcast uh, for Pittsburgh. I, yeah, I already know more than Dad teaches me about Oh, yeah, wine, you don't so. need to be taught by yourself. You already know what's going on. Cool. Well, we are here again another week. We're in a new location. Um, we've recorded, I think, one or two episodes from here before. It's my apartment, not my dad's office. And it's echoey. And there's a lot more extraneous noise. Yeah, like that motorcycle going by. A lot of, especially because it's the weekend, a lot of people joyriding through here. It's a beautiful day today, so everyone's taking out the motorcycle. Exactly. Uh, And I have to give a a quick cheers to my dad. Uh, Thanks. He just put up a whole bunch of shelves and a mirror in my apartment. And uh, that would have cost me like 90 bucks on TaskRabbit. So thanks, Dad. Uh, I will expect my check soon. Yeah. Yeah, keep... (laughs) Keep an eye on the mailbox for that one. I'm sure it'll come really soon. Uh, cool. Well, today we have wine. Oh, this is the other funny thing about being in my apartment. We're using my wine glasses, which are a joke, too. I mean, they are a joke. Well, they'd be completely verboten from any kind of wine tasting because you can't see through them. Mm-mm. They're entirely opaque. They're so you opaque. you can't tell... Even whether you're drinking so a red or a white. Cool. They're like, um, I think it's called oil spill or duochrome, but it's like that rainbow metal, guys. So the whole wine glass is like rainbow metal. And my dad's like. Mm, that's not what you do with wine. That's not Because he poured it and he's like, well, I can't even see what color the wine is. I can go get you like a, a water glass if you want to. Well, as I was explaining to my daughter, one sniff tells you it has to be a white wine. Uh, because of the the flavor profile, the flavor is all citrus fruit and tropical fruit. No red wine has that fruit profile, so it had to be a white wine. What about a rosé? Um, no, most rosés are going to have a fruit profile closer to reds. 
okay. uh, because they virtually all they all derive from red wines. That's why they're rosé. They're just red wines that haven't been completely pressed. Yeah, I think that's crazy that some people think that, and by some people, I mean maybe me at one point, thought that rosé was That there were pink grapes. That there were, no, that it was like red and white mixed. Oh. Like you're in art class or something. Well, the only... I'm sure there's like some Chardonnay grapes thrown in, so you know what I mean? Well, a pink champagne is basically red and white mixed because the um, two of the grapes are red grapes. And although on first pressing, the juice is clear, if you press them long enough, it'll start turning darker. And they mix those two to get pink champagne. So it's how long you press them, so at the end yes. it's the darker color? Right. Yeah, I thought it was how hard you press them. Well, same thing. Not the same thing. How same is thing. that the same thing? Well, it's, it's the weight of the press. So a gentle press, you're going to get clear from virtually every grape is going to be clear. Because okay. the contents of every grape is clear. It is the skin and the seeds and the pips that make it red if it's a red grape. Mm -hmm. So you can get clear juice from red grapes. They do it every day in Champagne and various other places. Okay. Well... Already learning so much. We're only five minutes in, and this is crazy. So why don't we... Uh, so today on this show, we are talking about a, a joke. This is why you guys got to listen in the whole time, because this is a joke Dad has made like three gazillion times throughout the show. Care to explain? Yeah, we're going to talk today about ABC wines. So ABC wines were originally defined as anything but Chardonnay, but... Over the last five years, an additional grape has become a cliche, which is Pinot Grigio. So it's anything... I was going to say Sauvignon Blanc, but you don't agree with that? Not quite. So it's anything but um, Chardonnay and Pinot Grigio. So we're going to talk about other interesting white wines uh, that you will often see on the wine list if you pay attention. Bye. Other than interest, are you saying like instead of getting a Chardonnay, Correct. get this? Correct. Instead of just going basic expand, Chardonnay? Expand your horizons. Or, or a Pinot Grigio instead of getting a Right. Pinot so Grigio. think about it. When you walk into a bar and you order a Pinot Grigio, that is shorthand for, I really don't want to think today. Mm -hmm. Just give me something I'm familiar with. It's like driving into a strange town and going into the McDonald's. Right. So, All right, so Pinot Grigio is the McDonald's of wine. It is. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, well, but you're, you doubled down on that. You're like, yep, it is. <laughs> so what I'm suggesting is that if you have a few moments and feeling a little bit adventuresome, uh, open the list, uh, maybe even talk to the bartender or wine person and see if they have some of the wines we're going to talk about. Cool. Well, what? so I guess... We should start with what we're we drinking. We should start with what we're drinking. Cheers, even though we already did. All right. Notice the non-glass clunk. Yeah, because these are like fake glass. Like, these could be honestly candle holders, these glasses. They may have been. No, they had a dishwash only thing on the bottom. That's why I was like, okay, yeah. they must be glass. Because I was like, maybe they are like votive things for candles. Um, the one thing I will say is that... Oh, no, actually... I don't have anything to say, never mind. <laughs> so anyway, the first wine that we're drinking is from Spain. And it uh, we've mentioned it before, but uh, 
Uh, a lot of the wines we've mentioned before we're going to sort of put under the umbrella of the ABC wines today to kind of focus your attention because I'm sure you didn't necessarily pick up all the the details when we ran through large swaths of of Western Europe. So this is uh, it, um, from the um, from Spain along the coast. Okay. Uh, just above Portugal, and it is a uh, it's a wine that generically is called Rias Bias, mm-hmm. and that's the area. And the grape is the Albarino grape. The Albarino grape, and this is similar to the grape in Portugal. It is, and it isn't. The a somewhat similar wine um, from Portugal is just on the other side of the border, also near the coast but extending somewhat inland and then down all the way actually to Porto. And that is Vino Verde. Vino Verde. Green wine. See, that's almost becoming a, 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 a Chardonnay. Like, that's almost becoming like the summer Chardonnay. And today is the perfect day to be drinking wines like these. I yes. gotta say, it's beautiful, sunny, warm, summer. Yes. Warm this is, sunny. Consider this your summer wine guide. Actually, that's gonna be the title of this episode. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, guys. This is your summer. No, wine. I'm gonna sneak in some winter wines, but okay. Fine. We'll we'll go with that. that. It's all about the clickbait. Come on. So Albarino. So from the Rias Bias, the Albarino is the most common grape that's used. I think the laws require up to like ninety percent. They have to have like ninety percent. But if the word Albarino appears on the bottle, then it's 100% Albarino. It's all Albarino grape. Oh, on so the this other one hand, is 100% Albarino because yeah. it's Medusa On the other Albarino. hand, on the other side of the border, Vino Verde is usually only a very small uh, percentage of Albarino. And um, there are other white grapes whose name I cannot recall. That are in Vino Verde. And I'm not even required but to recall from my test. why do they call it Vino Verde? Uh, green wine, meaning that it's very young. Okay. Yeah, because they'll have like, even now, because Vino Verde is so popular, it's like Rosé Vino Verde. And so... Well, that's not true to, true to form. Well, they're doing it. <laughs> they may be doing is it to sell wine. Is there a big wine. producer? Uh, no, there's a million little producers in, in Portugal. There really are no big Portuguese producers other than the port houses, but right. uh, they typically don't sell still, well, regular, you know, normal still wine. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of different producers. The, the, the interesting thing about Vino Verde is that uh, it has a, um, a bit of a, it's lower in alcohol, so it's usually 9 or 10%, and it has a little bit of a fizz to it. It does. Yes, and nowadays that's done with carbon dioxide. They just pump it in. Oh, that's cheating. It is cheating. But in the old days, it used to be because it underwent malolactic fermentation in the bottle. So it created carbon dioxide to actually cause... Why doesn't that happen anymore? uh, Too expensive. (laughs) Yeah, for a $12 bottle of wine. For a $8 bottle of wine, yeah. So anyway, we're we're on the Atlantic coast right at the border between Spain and Portugal. So some great uh, summer drinking wines. Or Vino Verde and Albarino. And, and Albarino. I think I prefer Albarino to Vino Verde. Yeah, Albarino is, if you ask a wine snob, is considered a better wine. Uh, first of all, it's not a blend, so you know what you're getting. Yeah. And the Albarino grape is very characteristic. If you smell, you get all those 
very strong citrus notes. And when you taste it, it's very acidic. Think of in the back of your tongue, you feel like you have to, if, and especially if you let some air go by, you feel like you need to salivate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we talked about doing a whole episode on how to describe the flavors of wine, and I'm not very good at it, and I have no clue how you would teach someone that in audio form. But it could No, be I agree. A- well, what you would need to do is homework in the sense of give them a list of types of wines to get. Yeah. Well, and then go through all the wines. Do it an yeah. audio lesson because, yeah, yeah. this is really... Because I, I hear what you're saying, but I have no vocabulary to describe it for myself. And that is correct. And the interesting thing is that they've done neuro neuroscience experiments. Oh, God, and, the, and the ability to recall smell is linked to the ability to label words to the smell. Oh, really? Yeah. So in a sense, what you're doing is you're recalling it. You're using that as a tag to recall the smell. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm quite there yet. No, I don't think so. But I agree. I think this is a great summer drinking wine. What, I mean, are all of these wines going to kind of be the same sort of food, like fall in the same food category of what you might eat it with? Well, this is obviously not something you're going to eat with a steak. No, I was going to say. So uh, acidic wines can pair up with salt. And acidic wines, if they have residual sugar, you'll often pair them up with uh, spicy things. Now, this really doesn't have any sugar. When you taste this, it doesn't doesn't, taste. It doesn't taste sweet, which I really like, I think. I think that's actually one of the things that maybe people my age don't enjoy is that a lot of like cheap wines can be really sweet and that's really out of fashion, I would think. Yes, when when it arises from a cheap wine. But if it's in a properly balanced good wine... I would suggest to you that the sugar is there for a reason, mm-hmm. and the sugar is there to balance off the acid. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of wines I want to talk about in a few minutes in which there actually is residual sugar, but it's balanced against the acid. Okay. So, but for someone who doesn't like a sweet wine, who's looking for a nice, crisp summer drink, Albarino, yes. or maybe Vino Verde, yep. I prefer Albarino, but guys, try for yourself. You could probably get both bottles for 20 bucks, and... Two bottles for 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah, you could get one Albarino, one Vino Verde, and yes. see what you like more. Right. So uh, for our next stop, we're only going about 100 miles um, inland to the east along the Duero or Douro River. Douro River Valley. Yes. which I've been there. So have I. Uh-huh. So if you continue that out into Spain, uh, you go get to a place uh, uh, called... Uh, uh, called uh, Rodejo okay. and Rueda, excuse me. I'm, I'm mixing the, the grape. I'll edit it out. Don't worry, Dad. Okay. Yeah, it's a place called Rueda, and it's um, it's sort of down the block from where they make a lot of Tempranillo in Toro. But in any event, they have a wonderful white wine called uh, uh, Verdejo. So this is another dry, crisp wine moderately acidic with no residual sugar. Verdejo? Verdejo. Does it taste similar to the Albarino? It's not quite as acidic. Is the Verdejo the grape or the area? uh, The grape. Okay. Yeah. So one of the 
basic uh, axioms of wine is understanding that the colder the area, the more acidic the wine is going right. to be. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Rueda is in the middle of Spain. Uh, uh, so um, it doesn't get that cold. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I didn't know where you were going with that. I was going to say, is he about to say it's cold there? Because to me, middle of Spain sounds horrible. And well, it's actually a little cooler than you would think because of the elevation. I, I was going to say, is it a, mountain, a mountainous Well, area? no, it's a, it's a desert plain is what it is, but it's, uh, the elevation is probably a couple thousand feet. So it does get cool. Do you at night. think the Verdejo, ha, ha, or Verdejo, ho, Verdejo, tastes similar to the Alberino? No, it does not have the acidity. You get more what's called phenolic bitterness. The the grape is a little more complex, uh, and it's a it's a very um, delicate wine. All right, you're a fan. Same sort of bunch of you know, these wines could be interchangeable. Yeah, this is a Verdejo would be a wonderful wine with any kind of fish, mm-hmm. relatively light, uh, even uh, you know, uh, salmon, um, very light uh, pork dishes or whatever. It's it's I'm a just really picturing a like a nice summer pasta dish with like some veggies yeah, and perfect. noodles. Like yeah. that seems so good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No so. problem. That'll all work. Verdejo and Alberino Vinho Verde. Yeah, Are you guys keep, taking notes? Yeah, you got to keep reiterating all those. That's how you got to remember them. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we're in the middle of Spain. Uh, we're in the middle of Spain, and um, there are some white wines produced, uh, like in the Rioja area, but they're very obscure, uh, and there's not much produced. Um, so we're going to go to. France and uh, quickly run through the Loire Valley as right. we, we did before. Well, we have a whole episode on the Loire Valley, guys, and right. uh, you can go to our iTunes page or on your phone and, and scroll down if you want more information on this. But I know that there are some big guys that would be perfect for a summer sipping, light, uh, and they're all value wines, aren't they? They're all what? Like good values, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So at the Farthest east end of the of the river is uh, Sancerre and Puyfumé. So this is right close to where the oh the east end of the river. So right. we're inland. Right, just kind of south of Paris. Okay, so yeah, so the river hits the um, water, Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Ocean. Right. And there's a whole river valley as it cuts its way through France, and we're closer to the western end of the eastern end. Never. Sorry. Yes, we are closer to the eastern part of this designated Loire Valley area. Right. Mm-hmm. So and the reason further and the, inland. Yeah, I know I'm jumping around, but we were talking about uh, particular wines, and, and uh, we mentioned that this Alberino has the acidity and very low a- uh, sugar of a Sauvignon Blanc, and it even has a lot of the same floral, almost grassy notes. Do you like Sauvignon Blanc? Yes, absolutely. Okay. And Sauvignon Blanc is a wonderful uh, summer wine. Absolutely perfect. Great around the pool. And similar to what I described before in terms of the flavor profiles, fish, light, uh, you know, white meats and things. Just a terrific wine. So, um, so the Sancerre is probably the iconic um Sauvignon Blanc, um, 
The, the soils there are flinty, called silex, and it gives it a minerality in addition to the real, um, what I call grassy notes okay. on it. Um, most of the time, just one sniff and you know it's Sauvignon Blanc because it's yeah. just so characteristic. Now, Sauvignon Blanc is certainly grown in a whole bunch of other places, uh, grown in the United States, and but probably its most egregious expression, I mean, over the top, is from New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, so New Zealand, especially from Martinborough, which is the northern end of the southern island, Cloudy Bay is uh, sort of broke into the lexicon as the the go-to New Zealand, familiar, yeah. New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, these are really wildly fruity, over-the-top, you know, grassy. They're basically Sancerre on steroids. So, you know, they're, they're both wonderful to try. Puy Fumé versus Sancerre, these are real subtle differences. Puy Fumé versus Sancerre, these are area. Just across the river from each other at the end of the Loire Valley. And they're growing the same grapes. Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yep. But would you, would the, if you put both of those in a glass in front of me, would I be able to taste the difference? A grandmaster would have trouble telling yeah. the difference. Yeah. But yep. not compared to the New Zealand. Oh, no. New Zealand just, you wouldn't even have to taste it. You'd have to get within two feet of the glass. <laughs> and you could sniff it. <laughs> yeah, you would, could sniff it. Is that a good summer wine? Uh, yes, again, these are all great, uh, great wines. So what would someone's taste like? What would you say, what would make a person pick one over the other? Like what would their flavor profile be if they were more New Zealand, Sauvignon Blanc versus uh, Loire Valley? Yeah, I mean, it's personal taste, really. really? Uh, it's not like one's more sweet or fruit? Well, no, it, you just have a, a much more intense experience with the, uh, with the New Zealand. And for some people, it's kind of like, uh, the over oaked, over buttery American Chardonnay versus a uh, uh, versus something from Burgundy. Uh, you know, it's like, yeah. do you want do you want something utterly amplified, like hit by you, a train? Like yeah, or do you want kind of the the original balanced uh, example? I kind of think that like with a meal, something like a bit less overpowering, but I could see like. If you're doing like cheese and crackers outside and just chilling like that for having a couple, a pool party, having a pool party with some bites, like yeah. a big, a nice, you know, wine, strong flavor. So could be uh, from my uh, from all of my uh, classes, I can tell you the classic pairing with Sauvignon Blanc is that things that grow together go together. So goat cheese <laughs> is the classic uh, Sauvignon Blanc pairing. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because that's a huge area for producing goat cheese. Things that grow together go, go together. together. Wow, like that one. Yeah. You wine guys are clever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. So. So we're going to move a little bit uh, west. It's still in the Loire Valley. Still in the Loire Valley for another uh, uh, varietal that um, gets bad press, which is Chenin Blanc. So I think people are starting to warm up to it a little bit. I don't think a lot of people know what it is. Yeah. So Chenin Blanc is uh, a grape uh, that's grown through most of the middle of the Loire Valley. And it's um, it tends to be cool weather, so it's an acidic grape. So they often will stop fermentation when there's still some residual sugar. So this 
gets into the balance between the amount of acid and the amount of residual sure, sugar. Yes. Well, so some people perceive these wines as being sweet wines. doesn't mean that they're cheap, inexpensive, or poorly made. It just means that this is the balance that the winemaker decided to... Um, to uh, Represent. Yeah, exactly. They felt that this was the representation of their, of their vineyard. Um, now, this is... Uh, I'm talking about typically Vouvray wines, which is in Touraine area, which is just uh, west of where we were talking about before okay. with uh, with uh, uh, Puy Fumé and um, Sancerre. Oh, we. Now, if we go a little bit further towards the ocean, there's a little tiny microclimate that makes um, really exquisite Sauvignon Blanc, and that's called Savagnier. And these wines tend to be have less residual sugar, um, so and and they're a little more. Uh, these are still more. Chenin Blanc. Yes, the Chenin Blanc wines is that made. The grape? Yes. The grape is the Chenin Blanc. Right, and they're made a little further, a little further towards the ocean. Okay. Uh, with less residual sugar. Okay. Um, and they just have a little more oomph to them. And they age for decades. You can put a Sauvignon down for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing wines. <clears throat> so if you want to do Chenin Blanc but don't want to do sweet, you may try a Sauvignon. Amazing. Okay, cool. So yeah. we got a whole bunch of people. ABCs. People, guys, put these seriously. I know how us millennials work. Put a little put it in note. your phone. You knew what I was going to say. Get out your phone, make unless you're driving, and write wines, and then return, and then write everything we've mentioned so far. So we've gone um, Alberino, uh, Vinho Verde. We were in the middle of Spain enjoying some... Some Verdejo from Ver, Rueda. Verdejo from Rueda. Uh-huh. Then we went to the Loire <clears throat> Valley, and we're talking about some Chenin Blanc from... Right, both from um, from Vouvray, which is going to have some residual sugar, as well as from Sauvignon, which tends to be more austere. Yeah, I think that one sounds good. And then we're also talking about Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> from New Zealand, which is more full-bodied, and then... Well, fruit and floral. Yeah, and then there's also... It's Puy- like you were hit by a florist truck. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, Puy Fume and... Uh, Sancerre. Sancerre, where the Sauvignon Blancs in the Loire Valley, right. which are, le- are more lighter than the New Zealand. Well, New Zealand is just... OTT. Is, you know, turn it up to 11. And, but if you're doing New Zealand, get out the goat cheese, because what goes together, what grows together, goes together. Except that was Sancerre. Oh, that was in Sancerre? <laughs> Darn yeah. it. Never mind. Um, cool. So... Well, let me, um, let me just finish up in the Loire Valley so that yeah, uh, yeah. We, we finish the... So... There is no better combina- food combination in the world than... Oh, uh, big, big, big deal right here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> than mussels and the um, wine from the, um, the very... Uh, from Nantes, which is at the very uh, western edge of the Loire, where it uh, meets, meets the ocean. Wait, <clears throat> do you mean mussels or do you mean oysters? No, I mean mussels, but it could be oysters. Okay. 
So there is a wine that's made virtually only there. It's called Muscadet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is made from a grape that is distantly related from Chardonnay called the Melon grape. And it is incredibly cheap. And yeah. it is made on lees, L-E-E-S. Made <clears throat> on lees, which means the all the crap is left in there. The dead yeast. Yeah. And it's what makes champagne taste kind of bread-like. Okay. So those are the lees. So uh, the, the wine is made on lees, and the uh, it's a wonderful... Um, kind of uh, sal- like saline um, you know salty although I don't think there's a lot of salt in it it just sort of evokes the ocean because of its location and I just think it's crisp it is very crisp I like that and what you want to do is look for bottles that say Sev et Marne The reason being... Yeah, I'm not going to be able... Yeah, tell yeah. me. The reason being is that there are basically two kinds of Muscadet. There is a very small area between the two rivers, Sev at Marne, the Marne River, and then there's everything else. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to spend $12 on a bottle of wine, you might as well spend 14 Okay. And get the, the Sev at Marne. Or if you're at a restaurant, you know, 25 versus 30 Yeah, Exactly. Um, so this is a light, uh, fruity, mildly acidic wine, as I said, wonderful. Is that uh, the Sevet Marne? Is that the producer? No, no, no. It's the geographic representation. So it's like it a is, sub-AVA. Yes. Okay. Yep. It's the sub-AVA. It's not a producer. Um, but uh, as I said, I spent uh, a summer in Europe and my some of my strongest recollections were the time we spent uh, on the um, along the Atlantic coast drinking muscadet and eating mussels. Nice. Good memories. Yeah, we didn't... When I got back through Europe, we didn't even make it to France. I've only been to France that one time with you. You know what I'm talking about? When we par- crossed over from Spain? Yes. The only time I've been to France. <laughs> one day, one, one afternoon for but lunch. On my, yeah, mm. one afternoon in France, but you better believe on my scratch map, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I scratched off France. Ben, uh, very cool. Well, awesome. I think this was a great and useful episode. Hope everyone took notes, and I hope you guys uh, do us a solid and uh, maybe share it with a friend. You know, send it over to them. Let them know about the podcast. Help us grow and help them learn about wine. And I'm gonna do a quick check just to see if we have any iTunes reviews. We probably don't, but yeah, I would just say that uh, it would be useful to take some notes on some of these um, varietals so that, you know, when you go into the local watering hole next Friday afternoon and you look at the wine list, all of a sudden these names will start popping out at you. Do they do? It's so true. They really all do start popping out at you. That's, I look at a wine menu completely different. I mean, it makes sense. I like tried to learn verse before I was completely ignorant and didn't care. But yeah, you, these names really do pop out. And what it amounts to is power because knowledge is power. And when you start to understand what they're selling you, you can make realistic uh, or you can make, um, um, uh, 
economic decisions that have some basis in reality. Mm-hmm. You'd know if they're trying to charge you, you know, $30 for a, a glass of Muscadet. It's like, you know, what are they smoking? Yeah. Um, you know, you start to understand what the relative value scales yeah. are and, you know, where the where things stand one versus another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're in the wine store, you can pull out your phone and look at your notes and, um, you know, maybe this is even a good thing to listen to on your way to the wine store. Pop, <laughs> pop on an episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Okay, so... Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Uh, questions, comments, and concerns and corrections can be sent to dadteachesmeaboutwine at gmail.com. Our Instagram is the best place to go for insp- uh, information rather on the show, uh, and that is at dadteachesmeaboutwine. You can uh, access that via the web uh, at instagram.com slash dadteachesmeaboutwine if um, you don't have Instagram. And other than that, thanks so much for listening in. Uh, Please rate and subscribe on iTunes. It would mean so much to us. And uh, cheers. Cheers.